Hi, Wine Delusters, and today I'm speaking with Linda Lambschitz. Welcome to the Wine Delusters podcast. My name's Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra, Australia. In this season, I'm talking to 12 specialists from the wine industry and the travel industry and asking the hard-hitting questions we all want to know leading up to Christmas. What to serve, what to buy, and where to go on holidays. So pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. I spoke to the lovely Linda way back in episode four, my episode of the Southern Highlands. Linda was born in South Africa, came out and lived in Sydney for many years before moving to the beautiful Southern Highlands. She's the founder of Vintuition and was one of the first wine educators in Sydney teaching the Wine and Spirits Education Trust Certificate. As you will hear, she's a very busy lady spending her days writing articles for the Australian community media and I regularly see her articles in my local newspaper, the Canberra Times. Linda's a very classy lady and she shares some wonderful information with us here. Welcome, Linda Lambschitz. Thank you so much for joining me again, Linda, because you joined me in season one for our episode on the Southern Highlands. I know. It's such a pleasure to be back again, Janine. Thank you for inviting me. What have you been working on? A lot of us have been in lockdown. It's been a bit of a relief to just take a breather and sit back and actually you know, just regroup and so forth. As you know, I write also wine and food and beverage stories for all the Southern Inland regional papers um, that belong to the ACM. I also curate wine lists. I'm actually in the magnificent Berrima Vault House. It's got a stunning wine list. It's got like a secret vault of wines as well, which quite honestly, I've already almost been drunk. But like I'm busy collecting like really old and famous wines, And it's always been this really old heritage building that they know used to be the jail cells that linked to the old Berrima jail. So the the owners and and all the investors have done it up so that it's beautifully curated inside. I mean, this is actually a boardroom that I'm in at the moment. It's a sort of quieter place. But, you know, being an old colonial place, it's got lots of little pokey rooms and so forth. Um, So they've managed to make each, there's even a snuggery for kids that they need to sit there while mum and dad have lunch, beautiful rose garden. And I also help out at a local winery. So I just keep my hand in wine all the time, Janine. Oh, that sounds fantastic, Linda. Now I'm going to hit you with some big questions here. (laughs) So what's something that we would find, a wine and a dish that we would find on your table on Christmas Day? I'm afraid that there's a point, I think it's somewhere off to Melbourne Cup, that there's only one thing I think of all day, every day, and it's champagne. (laughs) So it sort of stops around Australia Day. It's the perfect weather, but for good, good sparkling or champagne or, you know, even a good Prosecco. So I will confess that on Christmas Day, I normally have a bottle of, if I can even brand it, I'll tell you it's Perrier Jouet or sometimes B-Cart Salmon. Um, and I'll do a rosé of that. And then because we do tend to cook salmon um, oh. as a matching dish or prawns. So I love the seafood with those. And that's, you know, you can start on it and you can finish on it. It's still there when the Christmas put comes out or the pavlova. So, yes, just bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. That's oh. <laughs> That sounds like perfect celebration. With the salmon, that sounds like a really nice match too, the rosé sparkling. You know, it's, it's silly. I noticed the other day that I do tend to, do, I don't know if you do this, but when I'm trying to match wine and food, of course, it's texture and weight, right? But quite often it's colour as well. Like if you're having red meat, you think, oh, 
bring on the charrettes, you know, or where's the cabinet or something like that. So with the salmon, which is that beautiful pink color prawns, if you can get someone to make a decent prawn cocktail, oh, they do a brilliant one here. Um, but something like that, the old 80s standard, just have, don't have them hanging over the bowl <laughs> with the lettuce, but it's just, um, you know, really that that color and the freshness and the lightness is because you don't want Christmas to be a big heavy meal, do you? Not in our summer, that's exactly right. No, so. definitely not. So yes, yeah. so, so yes, the salmon is delicious and just done gently. You know, you can crisp up the skin. You could maybe do it with a little bit of flavor. I've always loved dill with fish, but some people like a little bit of spice or creaminess around the salmon. So whatever, the champagne's just going to stand up to it beautifully. Do you have <laughs> a go-to wine gift for your wine-loving friends and family? Do you know I do? I'm wondering if any of them ever use them. But I was talking earlier about coravins and vacuvins. I'm a really big fan of sealing your wine. People don't realize that once you've opened a bottle of wine, the oxygen that is ambient oxygen, once it gets into the wine, starts to destroy it and ruin it. So even pouring a glass and putting it back in the fridge or in the ice bucket, after about an hour, that's already starting to deteriorate. And the winemaker went to a lot of trouble to make you a quality wine. So Coravins are stunning. Anyone has not seen a Coravin? Have you seen them before? I have seen them. I haven't tried them. Yes. It looks like a large contraption, but you pierce through the cork and very simply just tap a little um, lever and it pours out without pulling the cork out of the bottle. It seals it. And then argon gas is in a little container attached to that contraption. And the argon gas is inert. Um, so it doesn't destroy the wine. It doesn't affect it in any way. It just then fills up the air. It was where oxygen would have been, the space. So that's a great thing. It, it's an expensive gift. So if you've got a wine lover who really, really is passionate about wine, then Coravins, Vacuvins are simple. You know, they're just a little stopper. Two seconds and you've pulled the oxygen that lies there out of the wine. That's at the end of the day. If there's a half a bottle left and you know you and I, your hubby, are going to have a glass tomorrow, then just vacuum in it and it'll be perfect. Keep it in the fridge. After about four days, no wine should really be left for drinking. It's a spag bowl wine then, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. They're fabulous and nice and inexpensive as well. Always decent glassware, always decanters. And because decanters are stunning, Honestly, gin glasses, because I'm in a big gin mood at the moment. Gin glasses are really gorgeous. Yes, you those know, big balloon gin. ones. Oh, yeah. fantastic, yeah. And such <laughs> a brilliant drink. Yeah, especially now there's so many um, gin distilleries around. And Amazing. Oh, there are a lot in Canberra because I'm also trying to get hold of some of that as gifts for friends. The unusual artisan gin or spirit gift is fantastic and any bottle of wine is a gift. Yeah. So for anyone who is listening, it pays to be my friend because you're going to get gin and you're going to get wine and you're going to get wine paraphernalia. <laughs> I think we all want to be your friend, Linda. <laughs> that sounds oh, wonderful. Please, I love <laughs> it's gorgeous. Do you have like a hidden gem or a wine region that you've had a yeah. great time at that you'd like to share? Yes, gosh, that was a hard one. You know, I know I should be biased and tell you it's the Southern Highlands. I say that I do find always when I come down to Canberra, I get stunning service, interesting wines. But I must say that from an Australian perspective, Adelaide Hills is one, an absolute gem. They grow because it's cooler. They grow a lot of very interesting grapes there again because it's a smaller region and not too commercial you do find a lot of really good service and people who care about you there and it's a lovely region to visit and it's just outside of Adelaide so it's not a big drive and so yes it would be obviously 
I have to tell you, if you've never been to South Africa and you are going to look for an international region, then you must go to the South African vineyards in the Cape because they're the best. Well, that was my next question. Where should we go to when the borders open? So tell us a bit more about uh, the South African ones. Oh, well, look, I've worked in that industry all my life and I was born there and I grew up with a family that loved wine and every dinner, you know, my dad would say to my mom, what's for dinner? And then she would say chicken or fish and he would go, oh, that's a white wine. You know, is that all? Um, so I always grew up with the idea that wine had to be poured at the table. Um, so I was passionate about it then. And then I started realizing what a fantastic history South Africa has. So the wine grape, the vines were planted there in 1654. So, really? you know, it's a, yep. Very, it's one of the oldest New World regions, yeah. and it's never stopped. Even during sanctions and political upheavals, we were selling wine overseas and winning ton, tons of awards. You get cool climate, you get warmer styles. The magnificent Pinotage, which is that unusual grape um, that was, in fact, evolved by a professor at Stellenbosch University. It's a beautiful, heavy red, but it's just stunning for a cold winter's night, which we all know can happen to us. It's just a magnet, and they're beautiful old Cape Dutch homesteads that are, you know, over 300 years old. There's a lot of money in the wine industry there, Janine. So again, good service, fabulous wines, brilliant foods. You'll be—it's breathtaking. I do believe that Decanter, when Decanter um, used to have this award for the most beautiful wine region, the Loire Valley and Stellenbosch always competed for. The best. best. And it's only yes. about an hour and a half outside of Cape Town, isn't it? It's not very That's far. Right. But yeah, I don't think it's even that far. It's about 45 minutes. Oh, right. And these days you drive faster, so you don't shot it. Because <laughs> um, Cape Town's um, a fantastic city as well. So Yes, you've been there? Yes, and yeah. I, I just did a day trip out to Stolenbosch and had a wonderful day. Oh. So I didn't get to stay there for very long, but um, I had a really great time in Cape Town. It was a beautiful, beautiful city with the table mountain overlooking the city and, and the yes, it's Victoria Harbour. Yes, that's right. It's the Queen Victoria Harbour. I mean, for people who've never been there and thinking of travelling, because, of course, once you've done that, you can always go into the game farms and go and see the big five, which everybody wants to do. Because I also went down to Boulder Rock. Oh, the boulders. Yes, the boulders. Yeah, with the yes, penguins. The rocks. Yes. Yes, Boulder Beach. So Boulder Beach it was. Boulder Beach, yes. Yeah. And um, that's only about a, an hour south of Cape Town. So there's so much to see around that city with the wineries and the, the penguins and everything. It is. It is stunning and a beautiful view. Um, and, yes, I mean, it, it, it is one of the most, you know, it's got the natural wonders around it as well. So you, you can't go wrong. No, we all have to head to South Africa. Thank Thanks you, so you Hello. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. Go to wanderlust.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and hear of all upcoming events, news and merchandise. Till next time, happy wine travels.